Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here on another devlogs. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. I know my voice has been missing from the airwaves for a little while. I actually don't like the whole radio announcement. Airwaves podcast podcast. What's it called? RSS feed the feed. 
My voice has been away from the feed for a while, so I'm sorry about that. But life has been crazy with dogs, learning new skills, volleyball league, tons of stuff, friend obligations. I've just been, I've been going hard in the real life, as I'm sure many of you can relate to. But here I am to talk about some more Project Umbral Dive stuff. So, where are we at? Well, as always, we're going to do past, present, future on this stuff. And this is also for people who've been asking, like, where the system's at. Uh, another thing, these devlogs are going to go video form after this because a lot of the combat stuff needs a little bit of a visual explanation. And I just figure it's time to, to put my face out on the internet again. So looking out for videos going to be on my personal youtube channel uh which will be a channel of the greater have you played this network of beautiful game content so shout out to have you played this and all that stuff but i just figured i don't uh i think that the devlogs and stuff need to be separate from draw your dice so i think all of those Episodes will move to a different channel uh, and just really curate the Draw Your Dice to be strictly interview or game review based uh, projects. So there's that. And yeah, the other thing I want to do is once I bring it up here. I want to do some uh, Patreon shoutouts because I haven't done them for a really long time, and I, uh, I think it's important that I do that because there have been people who've been continually helping me. I keep saying how important it is, but I want to, you know, say hello to the people <laughs> who are doing it. Uh, so, thank you very much to Adam Bell, Randy Lubin, Ty Pitry. Dale Blackburn, Dan Phipps, Raphael D'Amico, Matt Fennell, Eli Seitz, Adira Slattery, Luis Alvarez, Max Pfeffer, Tony Facinda, Aaron Lim, John Geary, Samantha Lee, Kevin Wynn, Chris Sellers, Eric Faber, and Longtail Games. So thank you to all those people who have continued to support me all the way up to this point, and I'm, I'm very thankful. So there's that. Uh, if you also want to support uh, my creative endeavors along with the show, I'm going to be making a content rebreach with articles and videos and stuff coming up that will help further. Um, what, did, what did Adam say today when I mentioned that I was doing this? What did he say? Where's the damn message? I'm, I'm working to democratize some knowledge, as he puts it. Uh, there's some really cool books out there, but they're pretty pricey and it's not within everyone's budget. And I think it is within the realm of ability for me to showcase some of the lessons from those books that uh, I've learned and that I think that other people could benefit from that. So look forward to those again on my personal YouTube channel uh, to come within the next two weeks or so. Uh, I'll be doing like a burst of episodes and things like that.
cool. So let's, this is a devlog. So let's talk about uh, goddamn Umbral Dive. It's changed again, everyone. I'm just, I'm just not a guy who's easily satisfied. I have a vision and goddamn, it's going to be met. So yeah, where's the stand currently? There are a lot of things I want to happen with this game. As I mentioned before, I believe my previous pillars of, of combat design were to cr- allow for character creation that was um, multi-layered and customizable, have sort of lateral movement throughout the game. And I think I've uh, conquered that, and I'll talk about that in a second. I want combat to be tactical, but take in a lot of the influences from MMORPGs like Final Fantasy XIV or World of Warcraft or action RPGs like Diablo or Lost Ark, uh, as well as some elements from other board games that I've come across since I believe the last time I went through the devlogs, but there's some really cool games out there like Primal The Awakening, some influences from Gloomhaven, um, and... Some influences from like D&D 4th edition and stuff like that. So the current genre of Umbral Dive's combat as it stands is a uh, tactical deck builder uh, where you will go and explore different places. Uh, I've also decided on some of the setting of Umbral Dive. So I, I hope to get into more of the setting like episodes on the on the personal channel. But... Yeah, so let's see. Three things to talk about. Character creation, combat, and maybe a little bit of the setting. So let's start with the setting, and that might contextualize uh, some of the choices I've made. So I'm looking to do a science fantasy setting, and I, you know, at first was trying to do like a second Earth with like a lost civilization sort of trope to it, where there would be like, it'd be sort of... Horizon Zero Dawn, where it's tribal but technical, and there's this juxtaposition between like crude technology but having materials that are futuristic, such as metals and electronics. And but I, I found myself being unhappy with that, and I also want to work in some sort of like magic element, so it was a little bit more high fantasy, so high science fantasy, I guess, is what I was aiming for. And then I, uh, I've never played it. I've heard about it a couple of times throughout my uh, human life. And there's a game called Xenoblade, specifically Xenoblade 1, featuring Shulk and the cast and the crew. So if you're familiar with Xenoblade or JRPGs in general, claps to you. Uh, If not, the big thing that I was inspired by is that the setting is a combination of two giant mechs, progenitor mechs, if you will. They did some sort of battling, and they become entangled as they fall dormant, and that makes up the world. Over time, the energy that they uh, use to run seeps out of them, creating spontaneous gestation of life, and that is how the setting is born. Uh, And then the classic, you know, human conflict tropes arise out of something like that. So I found that really interesting. So the setting of... uh, Umbral Dive, Project Umbral Dive, is going to be on two giant mechs at such a scale that the current denizens have 
no idea what they're on. It just looks like a combination of different structures and things that just fade into the stratosphere. Um, if you can imagine it, I think what I w want the shape to be is kind of this H, this H that lies on its side and the bottom portion, there's like an endless sea uh, and the first level is a downed mech and it's just lying in the ground a piece of it's like cut off and it's reaching up towards the other mech that killed it so it has this arm like reaching into the sky and from our perspective that might look like some giant tower or something like that this is also very inspired by um, Final Fantasy XIV's Raid Dungeon Alexander where the players have to go into a giant mech as a raid like that's the level uh and they're fighting these goblins that are tinkerers in the setting and uh eventually they have to deal with like the internal summon that powers the mech known as alexander and it's this time altering boss dimension warping thing and i think it's very cool so it's this mech that's lying in the ground with this giant arm reaching up towards it and then the other mech has plunged a sword deep into the torso of the fallen mech and it's kind of sitting there in like a, you know, like a knight with a sword in the ground or has plunged a sword into their enemy sort of thing. So if you can imagine the, this, this lateral H, or I guess a really wide I, whatever you want to imagine it as, but the one line is the mech that has fallen. They're connected by this arm reach slash giant anime sword uh and then this plunging knelt down uh mech that creates the top half and so that's sort of the setting and then over time life is being spawned by what's currently being called trinity uh as the energy but it could be aether it could be just magic whatever it could be crystals who knows so that's the setting i'm aiming for the science fantasy thing and there's lots of really cool stuff that I think I can do with that, such as if these are giant mechs, then I just kind of turn anything human about them into robots. So like what would essentially be white blood cells are these mech angels that guard access panels or points inside of the mechs. Or uh, I also envisioned like this, this dimension warping from the energy to create like these noise demons or like they make a static sound and they're like this vibrating bright Trinity energy. And they're trying to do, they can possess the angel mechs or something or whatever, just some loose setting ideas I think is very cool, but I wanted to do something science fantasy cause I may want to introduce like switching weapons, like, um, what would you call them? Like modal weapons where, you know, a, if you've ever played monster hunter, one of my favorite weapons is the charge blade where it's a sword and a shield, but if you gain enough energy, you can put the sword into the shield uh, and it kind of morphs into a giant axe. Uh, the shield part becomes the axe blade and then the sword becomes the staff part. Uh, very cool stuff. So there's that. So that will, that little like weapon thing will allow us to transition into character creation. And I'm really inspired by a game currently called Root. Um, the I think it's Might of the Woodland or uh, Battle for the Woodland or something like that. But essentially, 
It is a, uh, the piece I'm inspired by are the factions and how they're designed, uh, how their UX designs. This is dashboard that's just in front of you. And you could easily call a character sheet to any role-playing game a dashboard. But I really like the true essence of a dashboard is that you have this data, it's being replaced with cards, um, and it's public knowledge for everybody. And what I ended up coming up with is a sort of three card system. So every weapon that you can get in the game represents maybe like a class or a base class or something like that, or at least a base starting deck. So for instance, in the first deck I'm kind of uh, milling or muddling with is the armed blade, the arming blade, which is a sword and a shield. And it'll have cards like shield bash in the main deck and like fast blade, uh, guard impact, intercept, just different things you can put in your action sequence. If you're not familiar with what I mean by action sequence, I think there's an earlier devlog that talks about that. Um, but it's going to be like this 20-ish card deck that you have different actions on. And I will get more into uh, what those systems are in the combat bits, but that's the first layer. And then the second piece is that you'll have this weapon card that shows like, this is my currently equipped weapon. It comes with these features. It has a special ability on it. It defines how many different types of actions I can take in a turn or in a round. Uh, and then there are Trinity cards, which are like energy. You can think of them as like mana for magic, the gathering and each Trinity has three keywords around it. This is inspired a little bit from Destiny 2 in that each element in Destiny 2 has like three to five like major verbs or keywords that all of their builds and augments are based on or um, manipulated from. So for instance, one of the trinities is Helio, which is representative of like the sky and the sun. So it has this um, connection to fire and light. And the three keywords around the card, if you can imagine a playing card on three of the edges, the top, the left, and the right, if you're looking at it portrait, have uh, on one side desolation, uh, another side is radiance, and then the last one is illumination. And they all three of them have different effects. And on that weapons card, it also has keywords. Uh, I think on the armed blade currently, it has uh, shield, vanguard, and uh, leader on it. Or maybe not leader, maybe it's like commander or something. And uh, each of those connect to specific cards with those keywords on them or in their names. So for instance, the shield keyword on the armed blade relates to shield bash. It may not have the word shield on it again, but it does indicate that card. So if any card has shield anywhere on it, uh, it, it is connected to that card. So what you do is, if you can imagine, see this is why I'm moving to video because this visual portion of it will be very helpful for those uh, who may have a hard time doing that podcast-wise in the future, or I may not be explaining it properly. But if you take that weapons card, which is also in a portrait orientation, and has these three keywords on the right, top, and left, you can fit three trinities that will sit underneath the card that have these abilities. So if we imagine this Helio trinity, 
and it sit all these all three of these helio trinities sit underneath this weapon card your shield card would be connected to illumination so what that means is that any shield card that you would interact with in your turn or round uh, will gain the illumination effect if applicable uh, the commander is at the top, and the top for the Trinity was Radiance. So if you trigger anything with the commander keyword, you gain that Radiance effect. If you have the, excuse me, Desolation Trinity, and that is a part of the Vanguard uh, keyword in your deck, then Desolation will augment all of your Vanguard uh, type keywords. So it's this like slot system where you're placing certain energy cards underneath your um, your weapon to signify that it's charged up with this power. And there are going to be six trinities at all, and that'll mean for 24 different... Key- six times three is 18. 18 different keywords uh, with all of them being able to... Uh, interchange with one another. I don't know how many combinations that is off the top of my head. I'm not pulling up the calculator, but if you're listening and you want to know how many combinations of abilities that are, go for it. Uh, And then I think there'll be about, I think there's going to be like eight weapons out the rip with some like expansion potential in there. Who knows? But uh, combine that to your combinations thing. And I think that gives me the right amount of space for, um, lateral combinations of weapons that your player can equip and unequip as well as different trinities that your weapon can be charged up with and additionally you're allowed to take in uh, you're allowed to add two identity cards uh, up to two identity cards which act as like ultimates or playstyle augment cards where if you can satisfy certain requirements so Uh, For instance, the one that I sort of mocked up was Paladin, and you can only equip a Paladin identity if you have a Helio Trinity in each of the three slots of your weapon. If you can satisfy that, then you gain uh, the Paladin's benefit abilities, and you can trigger that. Uh, You can equip multiple identity cards at once. You could be like... If there was a combination that allowed it, you could probably be like a Paladin Sorcerer or a, a Death Knight Enchanter or whatever. Those are I know those are very non-science fantasy sounding names, but they're just some quick mock-up ideas I made. So that's character creation in a nutshell. And I think what that will allow me to do product-wise is um, sell like these player booster packs or decks if you will you can buy them or print and play them like oh i want to like i want to buy this armed blade weapon and use that for a campaign or whatever have you i also want to have like the great axe or whatever else comes out of that i want this like calamity scythe i want the gun knives whatever that looks like i think that product wise i think it's gonna be some like booster pack style stuff uh and then how that ties in to combat. Uh, and this will talk briefly about like what I've mocked up for faux design and what I've also mocked up for player actions. So this is taken really heavily from a combination of D&D 4th edition and another game that hasn't come out, which, which is called Senko Kushin. Um, Senko Kushin 
Five Sacrifices is what it's called. So it's not out. Very cool game, though. Definitely going to back it. It fits in the same, like, quality wheelhouse as Kingdom Death Monster, if you're familiar with that game. It's going to be a pricey-ass game. But um, one of the cool things that they do is their guard system, where each player or character has three guards that they can take on. High guard, mid guard, and uh, low guard. Uh, High guard is for high damage. It allows you to do bonus damage to enemies dependent on certain conditions. Mid guard is kind of a tanking stance where you can deflect some attacks or protect allies. And then uh, low guard is kind of a support role. It's called a flanker. And flanking allows you to open up enemies for other conditions or prevent certain reactions which I'll get into in a second. But essentially, in that base weapon deck, each card will have anywhere from one to three options, kind of like a modal effect, um, that are related to the role that you take on in the exchange of each combat. So if unfamiliar with D&D 4th edition, there were four roles. Um, there were striker, defender, controller, and leader. I have um, let those four roles be present on the action card. So, for instance, let's talk about that shield bash. It might have two effects. It might have, like, a baseline effect where no matter which option, no matter what role you take on, always does this. So it might be, like, strike for light damage. And then if you are a um, defender this round, you can use guard impact if you blocked an attack or something like that with your shield bash. Uh, Or you can take the controller action and stun your targeted shield bash thing. So you get these options of like, do I want to go for a guard impact during this exchange or do I want to, excuse me, or do I want to control my enemy and stun them or disable them in some way? And you're able to make those choices based on learning about enemies where there will also be faux cards, which are like probably going to be index card size, like three by five. And essentially they will have a list of reactions on them. So the GM, or if you're playing in sort of like a non GM mode, you can just use the card to make these decisions. But essentially what they do is that the foes act depending on the action you select. So you can manipulate those reactions Uh, or the AI of the game by making smarter choices um, or more tactical choices. So, for instance, let's take a basic fantasy monster like a goblin, right? If, let's say the goblin has, like, a ambush attack against defenders, right? So if the goblin sees someone take a defender action, then they will react by, let's say, repositioning behind them and doing some sort of like sneak attack move. So you see that on the card, and you have to make a choice of, oh, is the goblin close enough to use that on me? Uh, And if they're not, they won't do it. But if they are, they're going to immediately take their action and do something after you've resolved your action. And then the goblin might have another one where it's like, uh, if we keep with this evasive theme Let's say if someone takes a striker action, so tries to deal damage to the goblin or to or close by to the goblin or includes the goblin in an AOE attack, they might do like an evade or something, something akin to um, 
whatever evasion, right, akin to evasion in uh, D&D 5e where, like, you dodge half or whole damage or whatever. And the gom will just, like, move, like basically just reposition out of the attack or out of attack range or something like that. And as simple as that, maybe it doesn't do damage back. It just sort of evades. So foes are going to have, like, these list of reactions that they'll take it to respond to the players. And if you couple that with a couple more foes that fit different play styles or roles, um, you know, basic enemies will have two reactions, whereas maybe boss monsters will have as many as four reactions um, and react to a bunch of different variety of attacks or different conditions that happen. So sort of like an if-when statement, right? Or even like while statements. They have certain targeting mechanics on their card that they are responding to. Um, and so the last part of the direction combat is moving is I'm, you know, I've never been happy with health in tabletop role-playing games. Uh, I don't really like the idea of saying the word health, but then saying the word stamina. And I think stamina and health are other things. And uh, what does it mean to like weaken or defeat an enemy? So I'm really inspired by um, a game I just read called Navatham's End which is a, uh, actually I'll be having a, an interview about it here within the week per the recording of this episode, uh, which is going to be very cool with Dewada and their partner. So shout out to Dewada. And um, basically they boil down health into time. So they have like a, they have a tag system for their monsters and this system says that like you can't defeat an enemy until a certain amount of rounds are up. Uh, I may have misread that. I'm unsure. Uh, I'm still sort of like processing the game, but uh, I loved the thought of like round limit being a metric for enemy stamina. And you don't have to track a bunch of health bars. You just have to track how long you have to survive a combat against an enemy before you can finish them. So I might include like finishing moves into the weapons decks or something like that. Because I like this, there's this opportunity mechanic I'm playing with where if you play a certain card from your weapons deck, you have to discard cards off the top of your draw deck because those are opportunities you're giving up by taking this action, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, for instance, that same goblin might be a low ranking enemy, meaning it needs three, it has three rounds of combat within it before it can be defeated. Uh, now I've always been interested in the card deck archetypes of, of CCGs or LCGs or anything like that, where, um, you know, there's the three standard aggro, mid-range, and control play styles in, like, Magic the Gathering, Legends of Runeterra, um, uh, Hearthstone, and stuff like that, where it's sort of like a, a spectrum of time a deck has or needs to win the game. So, for an example, aggro decks want to win the game in sort of, like, the first four to six-ish turns before other decks start to find their engines and start getting ramped up to play. And so I, I love that. And that's what I want combat to sort of be, is figuring out, like, what do you need to do to, to either adjust your win condition or play in a different style, right? So this goblin is 
three rounds, but could you play an aggro play style that makes them more vulnerable? So then I'm also working out this mechanic where sort of like a different take on advantage and disadvantage tokens in a way where you can like do some sort of abilities and stack disadvantage on a foe's card. And the for every disadvantage token, that's one round sooner it takes to beat. Um, you can do that by spending like momentum, which is like the team's health and stuff like that. So kind of working out health to be this timed metric that can be manipulated by pushing like maybe there's you know we don't do this often in games because we're like oh rounds have to be sequential one two three but like what if you could push rounds like what if you could skip whole rounds of combat you do that by stunning enemies right you do that by having surprise rounds in D. so what if you could go from like round one to four immediately like what does that look like how can you accelerate the flow of battle in your to your advantage or how can the enemies reset rounds or stall rounds like what if a healer doesn't necessarily heal uh, other allies or foes um but what if instead they stop the round counter right what if they just say we're on round two and we're stuck on round two until i'm defeated or uh, the next round bypasses or whatever and uh i think that's a really I think that's a really interesting idea because it's sort of like a AOE heal in a way, which is a little bit more volatile and a little bit more pressing to like, oh, we got to get rid of that guy. We got to get rid of that supporting character, right? Um, I'm also playing with like this blackjack action speed system for combat, which I'll, you know, I think it needs a little bit more of a visual to explain. Um, but yeah, that's that's where Umbral Dive is at. It's in some really nice solid spaces. And I think that I'm really happy with its current design. I think I'm very satisfied by at least the combat version of character creation with this deck building thing. It satisfies sort of like my product design and UX design once for the game. Uh, and I'm really liking the direction of moving towards a sort of like GMless or potentially GMless system um, for combat design, which is something I always wanted but couldn't really figure out until now and there'll be a way for it to be gm'd like you could build encounters or you could play like these adventure sets that come with certain pre-made cards i want to include mechanic or um systems for monster creation or whatever have you for the gm if you do do a gm game or a ran campaign so yeah that's where we're at uh, thanks to everyone who came and listened to the devlog. That's really cool of you. Um, if you want to support the show, uh, like and subscribe the YouTube channel, share videos, podcasts, whatever have you. Shout out to who do I want to give a shout out to today? Um, shout out to. Oh, shout out to Clayton Notstein, who did a cool rebrand for Have You Played This? We have a very cool, like, little mascot now in the form of a heart, pink heart. So there's that. Thumbs up for game design culture that is uh, all pink and beautiful. So really dope, stoked about that. 
And otherwise, uh, additionally, if you want to support the show, please uh, donate to Patreon. That'd be super cool. Uh, but the biggest thing is just uh, share share the stuff around. If you think someone would be interested in what I'm talking about, uh, get them get them in the know. Get them to figure it out. All right, everyone, have a beautiful day. Bye bye. <laughs>